Hello again, I'm Dylan Hoskins. And I'm Lisa Hannigan. We want to make soundings as interactive as possible, so we wanted to give you a heads up on some of the things that we'll be talking about in the, the next episode, so maybe you can kind of read them as well or watch them as well and keep up with us. And um, More of that in a moment. Before that, we've been deluged with tweets from you. Thank you so much for uh, for sending them in. Um, if you want to react to the show, then you can find us at, at soundingspod on Twitter. Um, last week, Lisa revealed that she saw Sigur Ross playing football backstage at a gig. Um, so we asked you whether you'd seen any musicians in incongruous places um, and it turned out that virtually all of you had <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was a great one from Boricky Moore who said I met Enya in Superquin I just can't imagine her just in Superquin going oh like I, I get the sausages or you know checking the dates and stuff I just <laughs> a lot of people have seen uh, David Bowie around the place um, Dave O'Grady said he saw Bowie ask Roger Daltrey for a lift home once I wonder what Roger Daltrey was driving. Probably, I bet anyone would ask him for a lift home. I bet it was, I bet it was a, a pretty flash car. Um, Alan Mulvey on Twitter said, I saw David Bowie in a trackie going to Pat Henry's gym on Pembroke Street in Dublin around 20 years ago. In a tracksuit, wow. You couldn't imagine Bowie in a tracksuit, could you? I don't... Mm. You'd imagine that he would have quite an amazing gym outfit. Yeah, I mean, I'd like, I'd like to think it was sort of a, you know, very glam, very glam sort of sequined one or... Or something. It seems just a bit of a letdown to imagine David Bowie just... Grey Adidas. Yeah. Well, that wasn't the only time. He was a bit more flamboyant <laughs> this time. Uh, Colin Rogan said he, he saw David Bowie taking the bus. Um, and I asked him where and he said he was in shorts and a t-shirt in Tahiti around Let's Dance recording time. Wow. Well, it's like, all right, in Tahiti, Colin Rogan. Very good. <laughs> Casual <laughs> David Bowie sightings He's in Tahiti. A, yeah, I'm, this is the sweetest one of all. Chris O'Connor saw Neil Hannon and Pugwash exchanging Christmas presents beside him in the market bar. <laughs> I think that's that's super. I wonder sweet. what they were giving each other. Like wrapped up cricket balls or something. Wrapped up cricket balls. Did they? They made a cricket. Um, they, they did indeed. Yeah. Or but you imagine they were already into cricket and had that's true, they already had, had the already balls. balls. <laughs> that would be one of another surplus Christmas presents. Ah, cricket ball again. <laughs> You probably don't need that many balls in cricket. I doubt you lose them that much. You know, no. You don't play them in, in enclosed spaces. You don't play cricket. No, no, you don't actually. You know, we'll be talking about cricket in, in, in the soundings in the soundings episode, but there you go. Um, one of the things which we're currently slowly making our way through, determinedly trying to get to the end, is Bob Stanley's new book, Yeah, 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 The Story of Modern Pop, which we'll be talking about on the, on the next show. There's a, you wanted, there's a little bit from that that you wanted to read, which will kind of give you a taste for what this book is yeah. about. Yeah, well, I think it, it, gives you, it gives you an idea of the sort of magic that pop music has over the, the world that it exists in. And particularly for, for Bob Stanley, um, as becomes as becomes really clear throughout the book. Um, and he says in the inside cover, for 50 years, pop music was created and consumed like this. You heard a record on the radio or read about it in a music paper. You bought it on a Saturday. You lent it to or taped it for a friend and they reciprocated with another record. It was a secret network. It was how you made friends, how you met girls and how you soundtracked your world. Absolutely. It's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. I mean... God, I mean, what, like the ultimate sign if I fancied a girl when I was like fifteen was she got a she got a, a mix DIY mixtape that I used yeah. to uh, record them and then I found this old vinyl set of like French audio seven inches from I guess they'd be from the sixties and I used to put them as little interludes and then I would paint the tape and then I would like make a little case for it out of cardboard with a, a DIY little mini magazine that was typed <gasps> that had like why each song was on it. That's Aww. if I really liked them. 
Wow. Well, I hope I hope. But then I probably came off too too too. It's like oh, <laughs> bit eager. So maybe maybe I don't know what the success rate with with getting with girls versus those elaborate mixtapes was. I think possibly zero. But there you go. Yeah, I don't know. There's probably a graph of like how elaborate your mixtape is. It's like don't how... do it too elaborate. Yeah. Just want... look at like you kind of threw it together like you a couple of songs that you. Exactly. You don't want like you don't want. Story of my life. <laughs> So the other thing which we're, we're going to talk about next week, instead of going to an exhibition, there is a lecture which is online where Brian Eno talks as part of the Red Bull Music Academy in, in New York last year. And my friend Una recommended that I watch this. She said that it had been something that had given her a lot of... Um, a lot of inspiration and a lot of kind of food for thought so it's an hour and a half if you do have an hour and a half between now and our next show coming out do go and listen to it in fact go and listen to it right now if, if you're um, if you're just sitting down to, to listen to some podcasts it, it's Brian Eno talking about uh, creativity and um, how creativity works so it's interesting in the context of music and his music but in, in terms of life I mean creativity is something that's not just for artists obviously There's this really interesting part where he's talking about the idea of um, of taking control and then surrendering control and how and how those two states affect us and um, y- you know what one does as an artist can stimulate either the sympathetic uh, nervous system or the parasympathetic nervous system which I'd never heard of parasympathetic me before me neither yeah me neither so the sympathetic one is is uh, fight or flight um, which you know Ina was saying is kind of where we exist nowadays especially if you live in an urban environment Um it's it's the state that we we're in most of the time, um, but um, a, a lot of music deals with the parasympathetic system, which is sort of uh, digest and rest and to connect things together. and And he talks about uh, surrender as being um, an act of choice, not to take control uh, and to be part of the flow of something. He goes on to talk about being part of a choir, um, and goes on to talk about surfing, which he doesn't do, but he likes the idea of. Um, yeah, he says he says he doesn't. He says, "Well, I, I haven't actually done it. I just watch lots, lots of documentaries and make opinions on it, which I think is yeah, story think, of my life." Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but he, say, he says on that control and surrender thing is you know there's things like that you make the there's certain things which you make an act of choice to not take control, and that we have a joy in that. Some of those things being sex or drugs or art or, um, or religion. religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because because he, he doesn't he's not religious, but he sort of appreciates that aspect of religion as being important to our human state. And there's, a, and there's a great question at the very end of the, the video which is uh, motivation to, to watch through although if you just start this 10 minutes in you definitely won't stop watching it but there is a great question near the end about about religion and how can you get that same passion that people often have in religious music if you're not actually you know you don't believe in anything yourself it's some people saying they almost want to, to just believe in God so that they would have that passion <laughs> um, but that's really really this is an amazing thing um, go and check it out We're also going to be um, continuing our journey in the re-education Dylan Haskell with uh, Ghostbusters 2 uh, which I set last week as it was our second show um, and we'll have to see how, how Dylan gets on mm-hmm. with that with that classic my, my, my lips are sealed until then <laughs> uh, so I think that's all for now um, do join us next time and as we said if you do want to get in touch with us about anything uh, our, our Twitter is at soundingspod but un- until until then um, goodbye <laughs> <laughs> How that was very abrupt. Yes. Um, well, yeah. See you all in a few days. <laughs>